five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hello and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. I'm your host Sam and as a special treat I'm joined by a special guest, Jordan Luke McDonald. I'm not going to give you a reply this week, I'm just going to, uh, just going to like, give you the benefit of the... <laughs> I'm, I'm so lucky to be joined honestly with one of my favourite online film reviewers, Jordan Luke McDonald. How you doing man? I'm doing pretty good, how are you doing? Not doing too bad, man. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a bit tired and a bit achy. Uh, it, it's uh, without playing football today, and it's absolutely pissing it down. It's really worn down on my brittle bones. Um, but you know, otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. I, I, uh, I'm going away for the week, going back home from university tomorrow, which means that next week's episode might come out a little late, so maybe Monday instead of Saturday or something along those lines. Um, so I'm prepared for that, but otherwise, you know, it's um, it's it's just uh, continuing as as usual about yourself. I've been doing pretty good. I've been back home as well. Well, you're going back home this week. I've been back home. I've been seven hours recently, but I've been back home for a week or two. Uh, quite a few trips to the cinema, as I'll talk about shortly, and uh, back yes. to the back to the gaming. I've not been on an Xbox for for like six months now, so I jumped back on Xbox like last week, and I've been playing quite a bit of Apex. Getting back. Uh, the have you got the new FIFA? FIFA came out this week. No, I don't really. I don't. I don't think I bought a FIFA game in like I don't know four or five years now. Really? I don't know. I just they're not as bad as we're making. That's so boring. Like I don't know. Oh, I love that shit. I got that. They got some some pacey South Korean Bundesliga striker playing the ball over the top, loving life. <laughs> I I've, well, I will get onto in a sec. So actually, get keeping on on track. Um, before we go to to off uh, off rails. Um, we are looking at uh, quite a lot of things today. Uh, we're going to be talking about what we've watched, as always. We're going to be talking about the uh, new um, Haunted House-style program that's released on Netflix. It's, a, I believe, a spin-off of The Haunting of Hill House. It's called, what is it called, Jordan? Uh, Haunting of Bly Manor. That's Based it. on Haunting the Bly turn Man. of the screw, yeah. Yes, and we're going to be talking about The Walking Dead, uh, quite a lot about The Walking Dead. We're going to talk about The Walking Dead finale, series 10, um, because J.L. is a big watcher of that. We're going to talk about The Walking Dead spin-off, Walking Dead World Beyond, which I've been watching myself. And we're going to talk about the main feature of the week, as we're going to be talking about uh, Rose, Rose Glass, is a directorial debut, um, the psychological thriller slash horror Saint Maud, which um, I'd probably say is one of the most eagerly awaited um, films this year that's actually been released uh, since COVID uh, obviously not comparable to Tenet but after that probably the second would you agree? Uh, definitely up there I think a lot of people are waiting for it I think it's original release was what like March or something February March something mm-hmm. like that uh, and it yeah. had a big festival release and then was was delayed obviously theatrically so yeah and, um, and I'll get around to talking about it later but was one of the um, most busy showings I've been to throughout the whole of, of post-COVID uh, cinema. Um, and, and it was it's actually packed and I had to actually book tickets in advance, which is not something I have to do very often. Um, but yeah, it was actually... So so, so that that's uh, the main feature. Uh, but, um, you know, this week's a good week for me, JL, um, because... Uh, well, it's been two weeks since the last podcast because not really anything came out last week. Uh, so there wasn't really anything to talk about other than some, some TV releases. Uh, it's like The Walking Dead, uh, well beyond which we talk about episode one and two later. Um, but it's it's a rare achievement from me, JL, in that I've seen more films than you since the last podcast. That doesn't happen very often. Wait, have you actually? I mean, I know you've seen. I've seen films. nine films. You've seen five. No, hang on. When did we last record? What did I last watch? 
So the last thing we I've seen since we last I've seen more I've things seen in October. One, I know that for certain. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've watched ten films. What since Enola Holmes? Mm-hmm. No, since well, I've seen more films well, since I last talked about on the podcast about films. Well, okay then. I've seen more films in October. Is that that's a true statement? Uh, I've seen four, I think, in October. I've seen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine films. I'm absolutely doing nice. you this month. Maybe nice. I'll overtake this month. It's not going to happen because you watch a lot more films than I do. Um, but, you know, it, it feels like um, something to celebrate. And um, I think, well, actually, I think before we go on to, well, we're, this, we're kind of changing the podcast a bit up because we're going to ditch the news section, which we normally do, uh, because it's just boring. You can just Google it, really. Um, and instead, we're going to be only talking about the news, which is uh, important to us or, or is relevant because of our interest in films. You know, I guess if any big... Um, superhero stuff comes out or anything that's related to any of our favourite films I'll probably mention it because you know it's worth mentioning um, but overall I think we're going to ditch the this week Noah Baumbach has, has been chosen to direct a new Netflix film kind of thing because you can just go on empire.com and that's basically what we do so yeah but I was going to talk about some news because it, it is particularly important to uh, I guess the podcast but more me specifically which is um, the closing of cinemas around the UK um, and so Bond got delayed since the last time we talked um, which feels like it was ages ago now it must have been just after the podcast release because we always seem to miss things by the day um, but yeah Bond Bond got delayed till next year um, and because of that uh, Sydney World uh, were, were so looking forward to that with, with money wise they've been making a lot of, they've lost 1.3 billion this year or something like in the UK and America they were harping on Bond being being their big earner and it, it didn't work out. Bond got delayed. Sydney World decided they couldn't run. And they closed all cinemas in the UK starting the day of recording, Fridays. Today, there's no no more films in the Sydney World today. And Odeon announced they, they're closing a quarter of their venues um, during the week. So they're going weekend only for a quarter of their venues, which is comparatively not that big. But it's quite a big deal for me because I live in Wembley. The only cinema in Wembley is a Sydney World. I have a Sydney World card. So I pay 20 quid a month. Um or 18 quid a month whatever to go see as many films I like um, if I want to go see another film from now on I'm going to have to get the tube which cost me money to Harrow to or to, to Swiss Cottage um, which you know only like a tube stop away but I still have to pay the tube fare and then pay 15 quid for St Maud it would have cost me to go to Odeon That's I so pay 18 quid a month it's like a yeah. deluxe one it's all the recliners and shit I mean I Three pounds difference between one film a month, and I'm only paying that four pounds in fucking tube fare. So mm-hmm. I am paying more money to go see one film than I would be paying for as many films. I saw ten films in the cinema or whatever in the last two weeks, and and six films or seven films, whatever it was. Oh, it's just very very annoying. And also when I live at home with, with as I will be going home this week when I live with my parents. Uh, the only cinema in, in the city is the Cineworld so I'm going to have to go to Cambridge uh, to, to the light but you know that's just it's a massive pain in the ass for me basically I know you've got an yeah. Odeon unlimited card but you live in a city you live in Manchester so Odeon won't close for you now I can but, yeah now I can see why the Odeon limitless costs rather than so normally I pay I think £18 a month for Manchester but in, if you want to get a Odeon limitless which includes London cinemas you have to pay an extra like £2 a month but I can definitely see why that's worth doing now because if it's £15 for one ticket that is just an extortion I think St Maud if I was buying a ticket here it would have cost me £6 
Um, is that, I think it's it's an Odeon Lux, which makes its like special seats, and it's like a but recliner. Even still, I, think, I think the Lux Cinema's here. I think there's a Lux Cinema near me, and that's only like, I think. Well, it depends what you're watching. If you're watching, I think it depends on like IMAX and stuff. But I think mm-hmm. a standard Lux ticket is only like normally eight quid or something. IMAX is like a bit more, but yeah, it's yeah. insane. Um, I guess that's what comes with living in London, but. Yeah, there's plenty of Like, I do pay two pounds extra to go to two Cineworld cinemas, and I can't remember which ones they are. One's Leicester Square, and there's another one. It might be Canary Wharf, um, which costs a little bit more. But I do pay that extra money just because, you know, Leicester Square has most films on, and, and you know, it's just nice being in Leicester Square. So I'm willing to, to pay that money. But yeah, it's kind of annoying for, for people that Cineworld fans. I personally don't think, I mean, I'm no uh, economist, um, because then I'd have, have to have no morals. But if I, as an economist, then um, I would. Um, I, I I don't know. It doesn't seem like these city ones are the ones that are losing the money. I can understand where I live at home. There's twenty five thousand people. There probably isn't much money making from a cinema which got ten screens and two people in them. But when I'm living in Wembley, I mean the cinema's got enough people in it. I mean it's not always packed, but like I'll talk about it in a minute when I talk about the films I watch. But like Akira and Saint Maud had a lot of people in it. You know, like they were like they had to really enforce the social distancing because there was someone every two seats. So. I don't know. I don't know. It's just annoying. It's just annoying. Yeah, I think I don't. I've not had that problem really. I mean, some of the films have been a bit busy. You others, know, like Saint Maud, was probably one of the busiest, if not the busiest, film I've been to. Maybe other than Tenet. Um, yeah, the first Tenet show was was busy. Yeah, I'm not sure as well with Saint Maud because I went to watch Saint Maud um, on Thursday, so which was supposed to be some kind of premiere thing. But then when I went onto the app to look to book a ticket with Limitless, it said I could buy a ticket, like a normal standard ticket. So yeah, it came sure out on Thursday. Means... I saw it on Thursday. Yeah, I'm not sure if that means that... I don't know, because IMDb said the UK release was Friday. And the yeah. the Thursday thing was supposed to be like a premiere thing, I think. Because I have a feeling that the Thursday showing, the first Thursday showing was so busy because it was people who had Limitless t- memberships. And obviously they were quite good big film fans. But then, given the fact that some of the people in there did not seem to be... I don't know. Some of the people in there didn't seem like they would be Limitless members. But, I don't know. Might just be... I mean, I've got a feeling they might have pushed it because they knew Cineworld was closing on Friday. They're like, oh yeah, if we can get one day of Cineworld people. Maybe. Because the Cineworld Unlimited preview was Monday night. And then the real one was on Thursday. So, But yeah, I went with somebody that doesn't have Unlimited. So, But yeah, Yeah. I guess... um, that 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 sucks. There's been some more delays as well. Souls now on Disney Plus. You know if that's worth it. June's uh, got delayed, which means the Batman got delayed until 2022, which is relevant for me as a superhero nerd. Um, but yeah. Oh my so, god! Speaking of Batman, I got yeah. some. I got some funny something funny to tell you about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know how so obviously there's been the news recently about how Batman production got delayed because Pattinson and a bunch of other people tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay. I came across an article uh, today which has apparently has two sources. One source being a YouTube channel called Overlord DVD. And I, I went to the video that they're referring to. Uh, I'll read some of the comments on this video shortly, but this video is very strange. It So this guy's YouTube channel is a guy with like some weird mask on. So he's like anonymous. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure his voice was anonymized as well. He's just some guy with a weird, like, some kind of mask thing. It looks like a kind of like a mix between, like, a Cyberman and, like, a gorilla or something. And he just talks about news. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is, like, I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, a 
I don't know what it is. It's based on the comments, it's a very strange YouTube channel. Uh, but they're they're alleging that um, Pattinson lied about having COVID, um, and the real reason production was delayed was because Pattinson failed to work out, and uh, Matt Reed wasn't happy, and it and his delayed shooting. <laughs> Which, <laughs> For fuck's sake! Given, this given already they, came out. Obviously, he's fucking ripped. Given they filmed like you know at least fifty percent of the film by now, uh, I don't think that's true. But some of the comments on this channel, like. Um, Oh, Jesus Christ, I can't remember. I'll try and find some now quickly, but... Like, people saying, oh, this is an unnecessary Batman film. I'm, I can't find the comment now where someone was talking about it, but they were like, oh, all these superhero films nowadays are so woke and, like, loads of, like, basically what seems to be right-wing people in the comment section. Well, I, d- <laughs> I, I obviously disagree as a notorious libtard, but I don't understand how the Batman looked particularly PC in any way. It I doesn't... Just- I don't know, but like I'm trying to find some of these comments. It's just weird, though. But the, yeah, those people article... will have Joker in their top four on Letterbox. <laughs> no, but this—it's just weird, though. Like this whole article, like it's based off two YouTube channels, and one of them is this strange guy with a mask on who—I don't know—very strange. And the fact that, as I said, they've filmed how much of this film, and apparently. Only now the director's saying Pattinson yeah. needs to work out for this film. <laughs> like, come on, we've seen the trailer. He was saying that ages ago as well, wasn't he? He was, he was, he yeah. might get sacked because of it. Yeah, yeah, very oh, strange. Jordan, what have you watched this week? Or since we uh, last talked? Yeah, a couple of weeks. Um, what have I watched? I've watched a bunch of stuff actually. I've I've been to the cinema quite a lot. Um, made made my use of that membership. Hopefully before. Well, hopefully mm-hmm. the cinemas don't close, but if they do close, I was trying to fit in as many films as I could. They brought back a bunch of films yeah. as well. Um, a bunch of older films that I missed, such as Emma uh, and The Lighthouse, which I which I watched uh, since we last spoke. Um, but they were both Weird first one, watches. Isn't it? Lighthouse, uh, strange yeah, film. Yeah, very strange, but I really liked it. And one of those films uh, we mentioned with Bo um, a few episodes ago about high life and how it was very artsy and sort of mm-hmm. maybe a bit convoluted and trying to have some very ambiguous or very concealed meanings. And the lighthouse, Bordering on the word pretentious, arguably. Yeah, yeah. But I think The Lighthouse sort of did that in a in a very sort of... More, in a more intelligent way. Like, you could interpret many of the things that happened in that film. I can't... I, cause I, because I had not seen it when it first came out as well... I completely forgotten that it was based on like a Edgar Allan Poe short story, um, mm-hmm. like an unfinished one. So obviously, you know, it's unfinished, and uh, there's a bit more license there to, you know, tell the story and sort of create your own thing from it. But I think Robert Eggers does a really good job of kind of presenting the, you know, we've we're so used to like big blockbuster action films, and um, it's just nice to have like an indie film with sort of real interesting meaning and great and great acting and just a very unique style as well i thought the you know 35 mil like aspect ratio and the black and white and just the fact it was like pretty much you know just uh pattinson and defoe and they kind of carried the story the entire right one time almost on it's insane that that neither of them got more um yeah, uh, I was Oscar like, or, or awards and stuff like that because yeah. both of them put, or arguably, you know, Willem Dafoe, you know, I, I love and I talk quite a lot, quite highly Willem Dafoe often, but I'd argue that 
up there, you know, with with his best ever performances. You know, like this is quite late in his career, and he puts in something that maybe he's equaled, but arguably never topped before. And and Pattinson really shows at a time that is so pivotal in his career, where he's he's got all these big roles and he's been in only big films. Shows the apps, you know, insane range of his. And oh, I thought I thought both of them, yeah, just just very very much award worthy. Yeah, I mean, I could tell for sure though. There was uh, there was two girls in my showing of the film. I think there was probably about seven or eight people in total, uh, including myself. And there was these two girls who left about thirty minutes in. Um, I'm not sure if they were expecting like a Twilight yeah, sequel or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I could tell for sure they they probably haven't seen an A24 film before, or at least an A24 horror film. Um, yeah. So yeah, but no, it was it was a great film, and uh, it went straight up as a I've given it five stars, and it's gone straight up. I can't remember exactly where I placed it in my top hundred, but it's it's a it's a monster for sure. Emma was great as well. I love Anya Taylor Joy, and um, yeah, just like a great performance from her. The cast was really good, like really well cast for her, like a nice ensemble. Um, and it's a kind of really visually beautiful film as well. Like a lot of a lot of things, almost like painting esque, and that's kind of I guess down to uh, Autumn the Wild, the director, who I think is a photographer and. Um, like, like previously, that's like her established background, so it kind of makes sense that the cinematography and the, just the visual aesthetic was very pleasing, and it kind of, yeah, just the entire production value and the performances were, were really good throughout. Uh, that was another great film that I saw. Uh, what else have I watched? Oh, I saw Jurassic Park as well. Um, you got it. I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's, I'm pretty certain I've never watched it all the way through, like sat down and actually watched it like intentionally. So it was a, a nice experience to see in the cinema for the first time. It was one of the staff members was saying to me that she'd seen it so many times before, but she'd never seen it in the cinema. And I think it was just nice to have that first experience in the cinema. It's one of those films where, you know, even, you know, given given its release date, you know, back in the back mm-hmm. in the 90s, I think the effects, the visual effects and practical effects hold up even today. So... Yeah, that was a really good film to see in the cinema. Like, one of those films that I think definitely benefits from being seen in the cinema. I'm not sure if you've seen it in the cinema before, but it was definitely uh, worthwhile doing so. Yeah, no, I, I haven't seen it in the cinema, but I have seen it a few times on, on telling and stuff. I, I do imagine that would be uh, better in the cinema, but I've never always ever been as big on it as other people have, but maybe that's because I haven't seen it in the cinema. Yeah, and then I also have been trying to watch a bit more horror films this month as well. Obviously, it's October moving towards Halloween, horror is kind of a genre I've not really seen um, as much of um, in my like film watching, so I've tried to watch a few more horror films uh, this, this like this month going forwards, uh, so obviously St. Maud we'll talk about um, in more detail later on, but I um, also watched uh, The Witch, which another um, of Robert Eggers' films, obviously doing The Lighthouse, but The Witch, which came before it in 2015, um, Funnily enough, another Anya Taylor Joy film uh, is a kind of a common theme occurring <laughs> through some of my watches recently. I see. Um, but yeah, it was that was a really another visually and uh, and sort of narratively intriguing yeah. film. I, I um yeah, and I did see your letterbox, and I was going to ask you, which I'm sure you're going to go into now, which was what you thought of the film Swallow, which I saw you saw, which very much intrigued me. Yeah, so that was another one I was being I've been meaning to watch and never got around to, and it was on Sky Cinema, so I just thought I'd throw it on uh, a few nights ago now. Um, that was really intriguing. Um, I think de- definitely one of those films where it's kind of it's kind of like a horror slash thriller, but like it's not scary 
in in sort of jump scary or like kind of traditionally horror way. It's more mm-hmm. of like a just like a chilling sort of horror. Um, I think Haley Bennett was incredible enough. It gave a really good performance. Um, obviously, the the concept itself. If if anyone uh, doesn't isn't too familiar with the film, it came out last year, twenty nineteen. Um, and it's about uh, Hunter, uh, who becomes pregnant in the film, and she basically, as the film goes on, becomes more and more uh, obsessed with this idea of of eating, uh, like inedible like household objects. So it starts off with like marbles and sort of less dangerous things, and then slowly progresses into like pins and sharp objects, and it's definitely um, it's definitely a chilling. <laughs> it's definitely a chilling film and there's um not just for that reason there's a lot of sort of mature and um a lot of themes which are like really sort of maybe untouched on in in films especially in a sort of more modern uh, more sensitive way uh, but yeah a really good a really good film and a really good performance so if you're trying to get around to some more psychological or more like thriller cold horror films then uh, that's definitely one to give a go. I also rewatched La La Land in the cinema. I've never seen it in cinema before. Um, I moved that up from a four to a five because I'm, I'm actually disappointed with myself that I gave that a four star originally. <laughs> I, think it, I think, I don't know how I gave that a four star given some of the other films that I've got at four. That's I how I felt when I rewatched American Psycho. I was like, how the fuck did I give this three and a half stars? It's like <laughs> one of the best films I've ever seen. It's so La La Land. Uh, yeah, American Psycho is great, but La La Land is just. I don't know. Maybe it's just a cinematic experience that I've said about many times before. Like I've seen it on Netflix before, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good film. Doesn't seem like my cup of tea. See, it's not even. It's not like it's not a musical in the traditional sense. Like it's kind of like an everyday, every man, like or every woman or whatever, every person, um, uh, musical, yeah. like. I don't know, and I think I think it's just the energy of it. Like um, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are just, just amazing, and obviously it won a bunch of Oscars. And um, I think maybe having seen Whiplash um, after I'd seen La La Land for the first time, it kind of made me appreciate Damon Chazelle's filmmaking a bit more, and kind of mm-hmm. the the style and the approach he goes for with his films, and kind of what he tries to communicate through the films. I think the first time I watched it, I kind of just took it to be at face value and kind of just. Oh, it's a story about this, uh, you know, this act, this actress and this uh, jazz musician, and I maybe didn't think too much about it. I just kind of took it to be a standard musical, standard comedy film. But if you kind of look for some uh, deeper themes and stuff for in it, it can you can definitely take more away from it than just a face value. Um, and yeah, just incredible production value, production designs, choreography, music. Yeah, it's just just. A really good film. Um, and just to round off, I also saw Broken Hearts Gallery, which surprised me. Um, I think my con- my rating is probably controversial. <laughs> I actually gave it a 4 out of 5, which, you know, you maybe not want, wouldn't expect from me. Um, but I thought that was a really kind of heartfelt and sort of just a really fun film. Like, it's... It, you know, it, it kind of has a lot of tropes of, like, a typical rom-com, and, you know, um, I think it could have been better than it was, but I think, overall, it was it was nice because it kind of has 
messages which are universal and apply to a lot of people and uh you know if you've if you've been through any kind of breakups in the past then you can probably relate to it um you know if, especially given the, the the subject matter and finally uh i watched i don't know how to pronounce it i can't remember how it was pronounced in the film uh jang Zia, i want to say but i think that's probably pronounced wrong um the legend of deification which was a chinese uh, animated film uh, it's a follow-up to a previous film which came out last year called nazar and it's uh, a interpretation of a Chinese legend focusing on some kind of godlike a godlike figure who is uh, expelled from heaven and uh, is is banished to like the mortal realm, and just a really visually stunning interpretation of it. I think, uh, especially compared to a lot of Western films, which have very generic structures or. Uh, just stick to the tried and tested and some of the animation can sometimes be you know we've, we've kind of become used to the the pinnacle of Pixar and, and Disney films but some of the other animation is sometimes a bit sort of just standard like luster animation I think this was very beautiful um yeah and that was a, a really good film as well and yeah oh yeah I also watched we, we watched Tenet again <laughs> for the third time I think yeah um yeah, given the fact I've never rewatched, I don't think I've ever watched a film twice in a cinema. So the fact I've watched Tenet three times, uh, just just speaks volumes really about quality and mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I've been watching basically. And then I've watched a couple of TV shows, uh, but I'll I'll let you talk about uh, the films you've been watching. Yeah, um, normally, you know, you you have a, a big long monologue, and then I just say. Oh yeah, I'll watch this this week, and that's it. But I've actually got a bit to talk about, so maybe this will be a, a, fat se- a pretty fat section. But I just want to quickly say, um, before I go on to the, the, the big, almost subsection of the podcast, actually, I think it's almost, this. My, my big monologue will be kind of, it's kind of like a, what what I've watched, but it's almost kind of like a little review, because I'm going to be talking about a lot of films in, in a short space of time. But before that, I'll quickly talk about the two films I watched this week. Um, I'll talk about the, I watched the My Scientology movie, which is obviously more of a documentary, but it was through Through's first uh, feature length, uh, and well not feature length, but first um, kind of movie release, theatrical release, um, and produced by the BBC, and it's, uh, as it sounds, My Scientology movie, it's about him uh, investigating the Church of Scientology, and um, and the a lot of the very shady characters within it, and uh, the... I can't remember the guy's name now. David, um, what is the guy's name? I need to find this out because it's going to kill me otherwise. The guy's name is David. This is uh, exciting. The suspense is killing me here. This is exciting. This David fellow sounds. uh... David Miscavige. David Miscavige, the leader of the. the uh, Church of Scientology and a lot of his very dodgy actions throughout the years and, and abuse of uh, of the people in the, the upper echelons of the church and, and as well as figures like Tom Cruise who are obviously so known for Scientology and um, I've got to say uh, I was slightly disappointed from a big fan of Lou Theroux's uh, because I don't think it's much of his fault I think it's a lot of the, the cards he was given and how events unfolded but I felt the documentary was so focused on Miscavige um, and the actions of the um, 
the C core, I believe is the name of the kind of the top level of the of the church Scientology that you almost lost the human perspective of how it is uh, for the you know, you know hundreds of thousands or, or they claim millions uh, of Scientologists that are down the lower levels and I think people will be more interested in the actual ongoings of the average day of the church Scientology and almost all of the interviews and such are from um, members of the church Scientology have either left or been chucked out so you know, obviously, I don't think the Church of Scientology is in any way uh, good or kind-hearted or, or basically, I, I think they're evil as well. But obviously, the opinions they got would, would be biased if they're people that got chucked out or left. So I just felt like it maybe left, left me wanting a bit more. Um, but yeah, I thought overall, though, very interesting documentary if you want to know more about Scientology. But I, I think it's probably better out there from from uh, other people that have uh, left, such as uh, Leia Remini. And then also I watched Akira uh, in the cinema, which I know you plan to watch. Uh, I watched Akira in the cinema um, on Thursday, the second to last day. Uh, no, on Wednesday, the second to last day of Cineworld. And um, it's the first uh, Japanese animation anime film that I've seen in the cinema. I've only seen Studio Ghibli before when it comes to anime films uh, because, you know, I'm not particularly into it. Uh, I'm not against it at all. It's just another uh, art style. I just seems I haven't really been exposed to it. I've not really much, many watched uh, any anime TV series either. But I did watch Akira and it was uh, an absolutely excellent film. It was beautiful. It was dark. It was not anything that I expected. I came with a completely fresh mind and it had a lot of elements I can see have been borrowed um, in recent years or, or for years following the, the late 80s um, in a lot of more popular um, Western uh, films. And um, yeah, I thought it was excellent and you're looking forward to a good one. I think it does certainly uh, carry a lot of the um, of the, the kind of trope of its kind of the, the generation that, that grew up. Um, obviously, the three people that wrote the the, the film and, and wrote the, the manga that the film must have grown up in the wake of the fear of, of the atomic bomb because there's a lot of very strong comparisons to things that would have happened as a result of the atomic bomb uh, and that kind of World War Two comparisons are made throughout. And, uh, but no, very, very good film and, and one of the most um, visually attractive films I've seen for quite a long time. And this opens up the subsection. It's not even, a, it's, this is like its own thing. Um... I had a, a, I don't often do this, but I, uh, I, I did a marathon uh, of sorts. Uh, I, in a period of six days uh, in the cinema, I watched all six Rocky films, um, not including Creed. Have you seen either of the Creed films? No, because I was waiting to watch Rocky and I still not watched it, even though. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's so, been on at my cinema, actually, the Rocky. I've seen them locally, but not at the cinema I go to. Like, the diff- a different like, cinema chain. So I, I am going to be giving my thoughts on, on the Rocky franchise as quickly as possible, but I'm going to try and avoid major spoilers. However, I, you do understand that maybe some th- things are going to be given away by... But I'm going to try and avoid spoilers as much as possible. I mean, all I know... I know a couple of spoilers anyway. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, to be honest, it, nobody cares about Rocky 2, 3, 4, 5, or blah, blah. Everyone cares about Rocky 1. So... Is it Rocky 2 that's actually the best one? I... I, was it, uh, I can't remember which one it was. I'm pretty sure that, just based off average ratings and what other people think, I think most people think the first Rocky is by a distance the best. I think that, I think that that's a very common opinion. People have a favourite yeah. Rocky sequel, but I don't think many people don't think the first one's the best. However, as you'll see, I disagree. So... Boom, let's go. Let's try and get this quick fire. First Rocky film. Not what I expected at all. Um, but it is... I appreciate it more as the series goes on. 
um, looking back on it, thinking about it. And I was so harping on the plot that I maybe uh, I, I've neglected a lot of the the other elements that were so strong. Um, it, the cinematography is beautiful. The uh, the the dialogue is very believable. Um, and I think that the my major issue w with the film um, was I, I felt that there was a kind of lack of obstacle. Um, it kind of went a little bit too smoothly. That's that's the problem I had. Um, but it, it has a, a couple of big twists and turns. I'm not going to reveal the big one um, because you I, I don't think you'd expect it either. Um, I certainly did not. Um, and with towards the end of the film, but I thought you know it the character of Rocky Balboa especially in the first film it's definitely where he himself is uh, at his strongest um, I think there's an argument he's, he's as strong in Rocky 2 but but definitely he's as strong as he ever is and, and he's so lovable and it only takes minutes for you to uh, um, fall in love with a character who you know I guess on the face of it is is a um, is a debt collector you know it's not a, a particularly honourable job but you, you instantly fall in love with him and um, and, and just it, it's it's got the I think you know the let's get into it like that. That is so heard that it isn't even a song anymore. It's just like a ringtone, like we just a so or a doorbell. It's just associated like we hear that it's rocky. It's not even a song. You know what I mean? Like you don't. It doesn't even feel like music anymore because it's heard so much. But when you actually sit through the films and they play it in like the full with the lyrics and everything. I think it's got to be the best original song in a, in a in a film. It's just so good. It gets you pumped up every time. All of these films, the the, the even some of the weak films, the the scenes with the uh, with the training montages are oh, so good. But yeah, very obviously the the first Rocky film extremely strong, and I can see why it's it's considered the best of the franchise. I'd give that one a seven and a half out of ten. Uh, and I think the thing that's aged worse is that it's particular. It's aged badly in some aspects, especially the way that um, Rocky can come across almost rapey at points where I think it's supposed to be that, that I think that the idea is that, he, is that his love interest is shy and he's trying to like let her out of her shell it does come across in modern day times as him trying to be a bit more of a, a kind of rapey and a bit of a perv is this, uh, a coercing is this but, Adrian yeah it is Adrian but okay. it, it, I don't think it is supposed to be like that it does come across like that with modern sensibilities so that's the worst thing at age he's a bit weird um, but yeah very very good film um, and I wouldn't hold it against it. I just think that, you know, coming from a modern view, that's, that's kind of how it's seen. Rocky 2, I think, is the uh, most underrated film in the series. I think it might even be the best film in the series. It's kind of hard to say. Um, but I think Rocky 2 is is the least about boxing of the whole series. And um, I, I've said it before, I, 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 to talking about the films. Rocky 1 and 2 are films about a boxer. Rocky 3 and 4 are films about boxing. Um, but Rocky, Rocky 2, I think, um, the, the dynamic between him and Adrian and between... Um, the you know Apollo Creed and such. I think I think is you know very entertaining. I think it's, it shows the the human side better, and it, it's obviously boxing barely matters in Rocky Two, and I don't think that makes it any worse. I think it's a great character study, and um, I think really gives uh, so much depth. I think Rocky Two makes everything else in the series a lot better. I think it's a lot better than uh, many people make it out to be. I think Rocky Three, um, Rocky Two feels like Rocky One Part Two. Um, whereas Rocky 3, 4, 5 start to feel more like sequels. You know, Rocky 2 starts minutes after the end of Rocky 1. Rocky 3 is when it kind of begins to start, you know, I hate to be cliche, jumping the the proverbial shark. Um, but 
the you know it's, it's a bit cheesy you know the eye of the tiger plays you know it's the first one the eye of the tiger and clubber lang you know it's mr t and he says pete the fool and you know and the, they go to la at some point he fights a wrestler it's like all very cheesy um i know and i'm not gonna give away there's a big twist in it i'm not gonna give away but it is very cheesy and i shouldn't like it but it's so fun, and it's it, that you know it's it kind of it's like a more of a kind of six and a half seven. But it's just uh, it's just so fun. It's probably the most enjoyable ninety minutes you'll spend watching a Rocky film, just because it's just so so it makes you grin from from cheek to cheek um, with, with that proper like early eighties cheese. Uh, which which takes me to Rocky Four, which is the most commercially successful film of the franchise, I believe. I think when it came out, it was um, it, it did massively in the box office. And I think a lot of what people know of Rocky is from Rocky IV. That's the Ivan Drago one. That's the If He Dies, He Dies. That's, well, you know, all the, you know, the big Russian and all that stuff and a lot of the phrases. That one is so painfully 80s. I think, you know, at the time, you know, 1985, a Rocky film comes out. You know, this is a series that started in mid-70s. I can see why they couldn't make another film that was still felt 70s because everyone would have hated it at the time. It's like, oh, these old Rocky films still making them. But these days, it just so doesn't work, Rocky IV. I thought, um, I was really disappointed. Uh, it doesn't have the iconic music in it. Um, and I, I want to talk about, this isn't a spoiler, I want to talk a little bit about what the fuck happens with the fucking talking robot. What? Uncle Paulie gets a fucking talking robot in Rocky IV. This is a film about a boxer. This is a real-life film about real-life people, supposedly. Obviously, not really real-life people. But it's supposed to be like a down- normal boxing film. He gets a talking robot, Jordan. Wait, what? what? Why? How? <laughs> it's his birthday, so they give their mate a fucking robot that, like, chats to him. It's like Alexa that walks around, and it's like... I was going to set off mine then. And like, he like falls in love with a robot. It makes no sense. Wait, why <laughs> anyway, is in the film? To this week, they've announced that, that so last week, Sylvester Sloan said he's going to make a robot free car Rocky IV. <laughs> so obviously it's something that's like known thing. Rocky IV, you know, it is, it has, is fun. You know, it is enjoyable at points. And a lot of the fight scenes, are very, it's got probably the best uh, boxing in it. Um, it is fun and that's the key thing but it's not a good film Rocky V however is not a good film and is fucking boring Rocky V is by a distance the worst film of the franchise I'm not gonna there's a, a young character in it which is particularly painful the fight with uh, the, the fighter that, that's built up Union Kane you have no opinion on him at all um, Tommy Gunn becomes way more annoying way earlier than he's supposed to um, the, the fight's uh, stupid um, a lot of the, the end scene uh, basically shits on the the moral journey that's happened for the first two acts of the film uh, Rocky V is such a stain on the franchise and uh, incredibly left me uh, very very disappointed um, so you know that, that by distance is the worst one that gets a 3 out of 10 for me and then finally Rocky Balboa which came out in 2006 which is 30 years after the original I don't want to go into details of it because it's really not what I expected um but it feels very 2006. Nice to see Skip Baylor Sharp and Max Kellerman for uh, any American sports fans like myself. Definitely gave me a laugh. But yeah, the, the best way I could write it is it is a beautiful love letter to the original. Um, and I would recommend it. I think it's one of the best films in the franchise. I think that it's you know an 8 out of 10, but it couldn't be that without the the other the first two. So I don't think it is the best film in the franchise because it, it couldn't be that good without the earlier ones. But I think as a standalone film, you know, ha- having watched them, well, it was just an excellent piece of cinema. I think it's probably, you know, modern technology, probably one of the best looking films. I think the colour grade is excellent. I think the cinematography is great, excellent. And overall, 
whilst none of the films, with the exception of possibly the first two, are like amazing, I think the the franchise in total, the whole thing, sitting through them all in six days, uh, I do like boxing, but I don't think it's important that you do. Uh, I've got a very much appreciation for for Stuart Sloan writing all of them, directing four of them, um, and I just think overall it's an excellent franchise, and I'd recommend that you get around to binge it sometime. Yeah, that ends my Rocky um, monologue. Have you seen Creed? The new. The I have Creed not one? seen Creed, so that is my next plan between okay. next year and next week. I want to watch Creed one and two because that's obviously the continuation of the franchise. Okay, I might have to join you on the on the Rocky Marathon and give you my thoughts on Talking Robot and. Oh my god, it's awful. Um, it's so bad. Yeah, whatever else. Synth music in the in Rocky Four instead of the traditional music because it's the eighties. Anyway, else? I think that's about it for everything we took this week. Again, as always, I watched loads of Simpsons because I fucking love the Simpsons. That's about it. I'm trying to watch. I watch. I also watched. Um, I watched season two. Well, I finished season two of The Missing, a uh, BBC program. Um, so each each season is about a. Uh, a child who goes missing and it's basically a kind of detective thriller-esque um, series where each, so the two seasons are connected by the fact that the detective uh, involved with the case is the same detective and there's also a, I think it's a, I'm not sure if it's a prequel or a sequel series uh, with the same, I think it's a prequel um, with the same detective um, which I'm going to get around to watching probably this week um, have you seen Official Secrets? No, I've not. I need to. I've heard it's good. It's on Prime. I'd like you to watch that before the next podcast so we can have a chat about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. My friend, my friend who is one of those friends who just likes any film and thinks Resident Evil films are the best films ever, um, he's one of those people. <laughs> one of the, <laughs> Film snob here. Um, mm-hmm. No, yeah, he, he, saw, he saw that like probably a month or two ago and said, uh, said I should watch it. Yeah, no, I recommend to. And one last thing, because we are behind time. But I just want to say, Rocky f- Five, I think. Um, you know, as the Rocky films went along, there were less and less people in the cinema. And Rocky Five, I think I saw early in the day rather than late, because there's two screenings. So I watched it like four, half four, Rocky Five, and like by that point there was like no one was going to watch them anymore because you know you, if you watch you miss number three, you're not going to watch watch number four ever. So there was, I think, four people in the cinema, right? In this big, fat cinema. I guess justifying cinema's, cinema's uh, decision. But there was, like, somebody that was, like, right at the bottom. And then three people, including myself, sitting in the back row on row N, yeah? Mm-hmm. So I was in, like, seat five. Somebody else was in seat 10. Okay. And somebody else was in seat 15. During the Rocky Five, both fucking people got phone calls and answered them. And talked during the film on their phone. Two different people. Wait, well, why? Why would you do that? Just selfish old bastards. Fucking. I was had... absolutely fuming. I was like, how disrespectful. Wait, Just go outside. People. Yeah, they're all people. We're all supposed to be the disrespectful ones. Isn't they're they're probably, We're not the cunts that like... don't fucking get... We all, I, if you go to a train station, see the person that gets off the train before... Uh, gets on the train before letting other people off. It's always impatient old people. <laughs> well, to be fair, Ugh. based on your review of Rocky Five, they probably just thought this film's so <laughs> trash that people won't care. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, well, yeah. Maybe it's more entertaining. Maybe it made the film that bit better. 
the five minutes here and there when I went on Snapchat mid-film were the most enjoyable parts of the film. I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming that that wasn't the uh, the real parts. Maybe they were the most entertaining parts as well. <laughs> I need to watch this film. That's now. Rocky Four, man. Rocky Four. Oh, Rocky Four. Okay, my bad. Um, okay, so would you like to talk about? Let's move on to the actual review part of this review podcast. Um, well, I guess we're reviewing Rocky. Um, would you like to talk about the haunting of of Bly Manor? And can you be yeah. fairly quick about it, seeing as we are behind time? Yeah, yeah. Um, episode one came up. So I've only watched the first episode because it came out today. Uh, yeah, Friday the 9th it came out today. And um, so yeah, I've just watched the first episode because I wanted to give some brief initial thoughts before I continue to watch it. Um, I think because I watched the original The Haunting of Hill House, which came out, I think it was last year or the year before. Um, I watched that uh, with a group of friends from uni and. We watched it like in the student media office, so we had like a big TV and could turn like the lights out and like we all together like having drinks and stuff. And it's like a really cool thing to watch as a group. I think definitely it's one of those films where I'm gonna miss having that atmosphere to watch it. Uh, sorry, one of the series where I'm gonna miss having that atmosphere to watch it in. Um, but I watched the the first episode tonight and definitely threw me straight back into what I enjoyed the most about the the initial series. Um, really chilling at the point and kind of and obviously this is just the first episode like kind of sort of laying the foundations of characters and backstory and uh setting and whatnot but i think um it wasn't what i expected either because obviously it's based on turn of the screw um which is like a 19th century uh i think it's like a novella um but yeah it was not what i expected it's set like pretty much modern day like i think it's set in I think it was like 2000 and something, but then like they're talking about it like as a story and it's like, I don't know when it's supposed to be, but it was like pretty much modern um, and it's not, so it's not what I expected at all. It's kind of a bit of a modern spin on, on it, but still very enjoyable and one of those things where uh, like any good horror, there's things in the background and you're never quite mm. sure whether it's just a coat or a person or a ghost or whatever. I think the... Women the, in Black Ship. Say again, sorry. Yeah, yeah one of like yeah. yeah. The the first season of Hill House, there was like, I noticed it the first time around as well, but I don't think some people did. There's like ghosts in the background, like in doorways or mirrors, and like it's not even in the main like the main focus. It's just it's just a ghost just there, and yeah. if like, if you notice it, it's like you're just staring at like that half of the frame. Yeah. Um, it's definitely so- one to watch though. I think I th- I'm gonna miss it watching it in a group though because it was such a good experience to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was third year of uni, so it would have been, yeah, I think it would have been twenty eighteen. I think. Um, Did you four years of uni? Yeah, masters. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm only here as a little, young little second year. <laughs> so I want to clarify: uh, is so it's Netflix, right? Not, yeah, Netflix originally. Um, so, it's, so are all the episodes of series one out now, or is it released weekly? Uh, they're all season two. They're all out now. Season two, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like Prime where they've like they've done weekly releases. It's uh, it's all out now. Okay. So do you think you're going to continue watching that? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll definitely be watching it. I think okay. one. I think one of the people who I watched it with originally, uh, she wants to like do a Netflix party thing and like watch it together, kind of thing. Like kind in of in there. I'm hearing. <laughs> Let's go, JL. Yeah. Well, no, no. Kind of like what we did. It's just not the same, though, is it? Like it, I don't know with those sorts of things. It's like. 
if you mm. watch it in a room with other people, it just has a completely virtually hold hands. I'm hearing <laughs> virtually hold hands. Um, but yeah, no, no, I get it. I get the vibe. That's why I went to see more with someone because it's like going to horror with people. Is see, I want to say more than it was like it was fine because the cinema was quite busy. But if it was empty, I would have probably not as not not felt the atmosphere as much. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, okay, so. Let's move on to The Walking Dead. We did a little Walking Dead section here because we've got two Walking Dead things to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Series 10 finale, which is the second to last series. So this is the last finale before the big one next year. And um, was it 2022? I can't remember. 2022, I think. Yeah, okay. So this is the this is the last second. This is the penultimate series, the penultimate finale. And I don't watch The Walking Dead and I haven't paid any attention to The Walking Dead for years. So I can't give my thoughts because I haven't watched it. But you have, J.O. You're a big Walking Dead uh, fan. You're a big Walking Dead viewer. And um, I did also find out, I was talking to my mum on the phone before this, who is a massive Walking Dead fan, still thinks it's the best thing on, on television. Um, and she watches a lot of telly. So that's high praise from her. Uh, and she was saying, oh, it's still as popular as ever, I, you know, but I think that they need to move on to other series because we've been with these people for 11 years and and you know those actors need a new job and all that stuff but i was like i don't think it is as popular and i checked and obviously this is so new so maybe all the figures haven't been announced but i believe the finale of series 10 was the least viewed walking dead episode ever with something like 2.8 million uh whereas it was getting 15 million viewers in series 5 mm-hmm. so I don't know if that reflects the quality, uh, and I'll let you you give uh, your your short review of, of yeah. how the ten finale was. Yeah, I'm trying to think if like maybe it's down to people just not knowing it was on because obviously this. Yeah, was... that's what Mum said. That's what Mum said. She said I didn't know it was on. My friend who watched it doesn't know it's on, so yeah. I th- that might have been part of it. Yeah, because I don't know why they delayed it though. Like they said it was because of COVID. Like, they delayed it because of COVID, but it it just kind of took out all the atmosphere and all the energy and momentum out of it because it was building up to something really interesting and then the penultimate episode ended on a really sort of pivotal moment and then they just aired that and said oh this is a this is a makeshift finale uh we're going to give you the actual finale later in the year and then they released the finale and if it was released the week after that previous episode it would have been a lot better for me like i think a lot of a lot of what makes it TV shows so great in some respects is that having that momentum from episode to episode and, you know, waiting for the next one and going into it and kind of being a bit more familiar with it because it, I kind of had to take a moment to think, okay, well, what just happened in the last episode, given that it was like, what, six months ago or whatever, or how long ago it was now? Um, like, it was a good finale, but I feel like it would have felt a lot more rewarding and a lot better if it was... You know, if it had aired when it was supposed to work, and I still don't understand why they delayed it because surely it had finished, been edited, and you know it was ready to go out. It seems a bit of a weird marketing thing for them to, as you say, with the ratings and the the viewing figures have dropped as well because of it. Well, I think probably because of it. I'm not sure whether that's you know a big factor, but it seems like that would be the case. Um, but in terms of the actual quality of it, I think it was it was fine. It was a decent-ish finale that had some nice moments, some nice character moments, and you know some typical bizarre, you know, kind of what the hell moments, uh, as as The Walking Dead does sometimes. But I think overall it was a solid finale, and um, and yeah, just looking forward now to see where they go next. Obviously, we've got the new spin-off, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, I kind of got to the point now where I've defended it for so long and even through the rough, pit, rough patch, as I mentioned on the the Desert Island episode, 
I kind of defended it through that, and uh, it's kind of it's, his quality has gone up, and it has kind of had a bit of a resurgence in terms of quality. Not sure if that's necessarily reflected in viewing figures, but I think um, I'm kind of glad that I was kind of, as, I said, as I said a few weeks ago when they announced that it would, the the last season next season was going to be the last season. I was a bit sad. I think I'm kind of glad now, though. Not not necessarily because I think it's a bad show. I just think it's kind of a nice, um, a nice Any point just to sort of wrap it up and. Uh, and you know, have new stories or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think having the next season's last season would is probably the best uh, the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. So um, I was going to, we know, it makes sense for me to talk now because you've been talking. But uh, off, come off the back of that, I actually, I'm quite uh, intrigued actually about what your thoughts were. You know, you've you've watched this thing for you know ten series. Have you watched Fear the Walking Dead? Uh, no, I've not. So you've watched you've watched The Walking Dead for for ten series. You put a lot of time and effort into it, uh, and I, I was curious um, about wh- how you felt. So, to to give an intro, um, this last week was the first episode of the prime um, prime exclusive Walking Dead spin-off, uh, The Walking Dead World Beyond, which is going to run for two series of ten episodes and follows um, the lives of two new characters. Um, who live who live somewhere else in the the Walking Dead universe? Who um, embark on a journey across um, Zombie Field America to try and find their father? Um, so that's the only thing that come out. And uh, could you put so much time into it? Seeing how this whole new thing in the same universe, uh, I'm going to go to you first uh, and just ask, um, based on the first two episodes of the series, how are you feeling about the Walking Dead: The World Beyond? Disappointed, I think is. A one-word yeah, summary. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Same. Same here. Um, I think it had a lot of potential, and I'm all for having a different approach. Obviously, they've gone for more of like a teen drama. Um, I'm all for kind of having different approaches, and you know, The Walking Dead for some people has gone a bit stale and dead and undead. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, perhaps maybe that's why they've gone for this kind of more a bit of a different approach. Maybe capture a different audience or. You know, even if it's the same people watching, just have a bit of a different approach and different style and something a bit, a bit uh, unique and um, and just maybe try and rekindle a bit of of interest in in the universe and stuff. But I think overall, I I want to stick with it because um, I'm hoping it gets better. But the fact that I found out after after I'd watched the first episode that uh, Scott Gimple is the show creator, showrunner and he's the creator of the new show and Scott Gimple was the person who was responsible for the catastrophe um, that was that bad spell of the main show um, I, I don't know, it's not looking too good I think I am going to stick with it myself just I'm going to stick with it because I think you know it's, it's just a show I've sort of started watching now and I tend not to even if a show's getting really really bad I mean, I haven't watched too many bad TV shows, but when they tend to get bad, I still kind of stick with them generally, unless it's something which I know is going to go on forever and ever, like Doctor Who or something like that. I, I sat um, through the Matt Smith years. <laughs> I didn't mind Matt Smith that much, but um, yeah, I hate that's, a lot more than that's when I dropped out. But I think... I don't know, look. I mean, hopefully it gets better, but I think, based on what I've seen so far, for a show which is supposed to be focusing on... You know the 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 young adults and children who have grown up in the remnants of the old world and are having to come to terms with that. 
I think some of the child acting is pretty abysmal. Um, you know, not not to knock on you know young actors who are trying to make the mark on uh, in the acting world, but I think you know some of the acting I thought was really good. Um, I think some of the, especially some of the lead characters, was was pretty good. But I think, I mean, in the second episode, there's, I mean, the first episode and second episode, there's been a bunch of flashbacks, and it just that structure in itself for me just doesn't really work like it, it just takes me out of it and it's just kind of, kind of so generic and cliched like having these flashbacks to when i was a kid or when i was like you know before like the world like i don't know i just feel like we should be more grounded in in the now i mean obviously there needs to be some kind of character motivation and development and growth and you know learning from experience and and you know what what moments in our lives have pushed them towards the decisions they're making but when the decisions they're making don't feel justified even by those flashbacks, it just kind of seems like wasted time and a bit of a cliche. Um, and some of the acting, I mean, there was there's two young actors in the flashback scenes, um, one young girl and one sort of teenage guy. And the acting it's about Finley's from... character. Say that again, sorry. It's about Finley's young version. Um, it's, I don't see. I don't even know the names of the characters really. I know the, the one, two... that, the one, the, the gay one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, him and then also the young girl who plays, I think, is it is it Hope? Is that what she's called? Um, in yeah. like a flashback scene. Yeah. I just think, I mean, obviously they're young and, and whatnot and I, I don't want to knock on, you know, people who are probably far beyond my acting capabilities, but I think it kind of just takes sure. away from the action and the drama and kind of undermines the emotional kind of heartbeat of, of what they're trying to go for. Uh, when the acting isn't isn't necessarily um, you know top notch, I don't know what mm-hmm. you thought. I mean, I said disappointed, and you kind of agreed. But I think just based on the first two episodes, and also because having seen the main show, where obviously it's set in a different part of America, and I can't remember exactly where it's set, but it's set in a different part of of America. You know how they've responded may be different, but I think based on things that have happened in the main show and things they've learned in the main show. Given the main show, the time span of that show is supposed to be, you know, there's been a five-year time jump between half a season at one point of the main show. So I'm not sure. I can't remember. Is the World Beyond supposed to be like? Is it the World Beyond ten years after the events, I believe. Is it supposed to be about the same time as current Walking Dead? Right. Okay. Yeah. It just seems so ridiculous that things that have happened and things that have been learned in the main show. Are like unknown or just being learnt about in this show. It doesn't seem to make any sense. Like, I don't know, because you've seen the first season of the main show, right? Yeah, but it was a long time ago. But yeah. So in even in the first season of the main show, they've learned that they can put like zombie guts on them to camouflage themselves from zombies, and it just seems to be like they just don't understand that. Like, obviously, it's not part yeah. of America. Maybe they just haven't done that here. But it seems a bit bizarre that like things that have been sort of become common knowledge in the in the universe are just kind of abandoned almost um by these characters yeah i'll um i'll get into mine and you know i'm gonna say a lot a lot of the same things you did really i was interested i wanted it's like oh maybe this is really similar to the walking dead and therefore you'll like it and i won't um obviously it's not because you know you hate it you well hate it's a strong word but you dislike it as much as i did i was the the feeling is i was overwhelmingly underwhelmed i i truly mm-hmm. did think I, i've been waiting because 
I was like, I don't want to sit through 10 series. I want to get back into Walking Dead in some way form. This a new series coming out. It's, you know, with younger people. I bet it's going to be good. I was excited for it. And yeah, it was, it was uh, so much teen drama. And I don't think it was good teen drama. I thought the, the most of the characters. So the, one of my big problems is that we don't care. You know, the characters go from, from you know, I know yeah. the whole thing. It's even in the series description that they start kind of doing this journey about cross America to try and find their parents. Uh, find their dad, but the fact that they have been at their school for about twenty minutes before they leave, it's like that doesn't feel like a big deal for us, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of the character decisions and and the main character, um, Iris, she changes her attitude and ways, but we don't know what those other ways were like because we only saw like two scenes of them. So mm. I just feel like we don't care about the characters. The acting is not good. Um, there's a kind of a main four of extremely uh, basic stereotypical characters to go together. There's the there's the nerdy one. There's the weird one. There's the rebellious one, and there's the leader. It's like you know, there's all these basic tropes. All of them are, are, are really. Wait, hang on. Uh, yeah. You said the nerdy one and the weird one. Which way round are you doing that? <laughs> the weird one. So the shy guy that looks a little bit like me. He um the the shy fat fella is a weird fella, and then the nerdy one is the cunt that wears fucking like suits and shit, even though he's about twelve. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and yeah, so and also yeah. it's not clear. Like I don't understand. I don't know if this is because it says based on the comics by Robert Kirkman, which he's it, Robert Kirkman is the creator of the yeah. Walking Dead. But I don't know whether this. Whether the world beyond is a completely new thing, or whether yes, is, yeah. there it's is a comic new. series There's of not. this, There's right? Not. Okay, because it just seems. I was say the act. act as Karen was saying, with those four characters, the acting, you know, was I think is is poor from from basically all of them. Is so like not what you expect from a top level um, program. Yeah. You know, this is a, a big thing, and this is their, I guess, a lot of their big break, and the only one that is particularly you know, stands out as actually being up to the task is the person that plays Hope, who is the... I agree, yeah, I was going to say that. The the rebellious character. She's the only person that seems up for it. The the main character, Iris, really is lacking at this point. And, and like, you know, obviously you don't want to hate on people doing, you know, a a job that I would dream to have. But also, if you're willing to put yourself in the spotlight, I guess you have to be willing to take the abuse. But, you know, really not up to it. I think that a lot of the adult characters as well really just, you know, aren't good either. I don't think Finley's particularly good. You know, they're given an emotional backstory, you know, his dad's homophobia and such, but it doesn't make, you know, the, the any more entertaining or the film or, or the, his performances any better. Um, characters seem to be so, like, they change their opinions and everything so quickly. They don't have any, like, real character, like, set up. You know, they don't have anything established as, like, this is what this person's like um, outside of the kids. You know, like, all of the adult characters seem to change their mind on on everything so quickly the only other person I thought was particularly good was in the first episode and she hasn't really appeared in the second one there is a uh, the woman that's the like the leader of the Civic Republic is that what it's called yeah uh, I, I agree she... they're by far the two best performance yeah I think, uh, she, she was quite good um, but yeah just didn't know where it's going um, the, the two highlights for me of Mark before I let Jay I'll go back to his point the two highlights uh, of the of the two hours of it I've watched have been uh, a an empty, which is... Is that a different word? They call them walkers, don't they? In Walking There's different ones. Yeah, walkers is the main one. But they don't really say anymore. Like, they don't... It's. I think they kind of got past the phase of just having characters say it just for the sake of saying it. Um, There are different yeah. ones so the, the two um, in the main the, series. They have, like, different 
sort of groups that they come across have different names for them, but generally oh, walkers is the accepted one. Yeah. So so the, the walkers are empties. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, their head explodes with loads of hornets. That looked very cool, visually yeah. cool. I thought that was like, oh, that's actually sick. Yeah. And the other highlight was I had... The... <laughs> I the a lot of the audio wasn't particularly easy to understand, so I, I had subtitles on. I put subtitles on as well, and there's a scene do. in the. I don't normally go for subtitles, but I, I did have subtitles on, and so there's a scene in the second in the second episode where the character Hope um, jumps out during the night, <laughs> jumps out of the, of the treehouse they're staying in to. Yeah to fight uh, a zombie mm-hmm. uh, and and she falls down and, and as she lands she falls down and she starts panting or whatever and she, she thinks she's stressing because <laughs> I had subtitles on she jumps down and it lands and she like lands badly and then the subtitle comes up in capital letters pants and I thought that was her like oh. <laughs> I thought it was her exclaiming like as she was oh. angry that she fucked up like oh pants I see, so I, was, I see I was pissing myself laughing only to realise that she didn't say pants it was just that she was panting that was the yeah. highlight of the series that the thing for me as well is that like it's not supposed to, it's not very clear obviously you said they spent like a whole two minutes in the actual community they're from it's not very clear to me at least kind of you know they, they, they're getting this training about how to kill the zombies and stuff and they have that in a bunch of flashback montages you know typical um you know unrewarding just oh here's a zombie here's the first zombie they come across so now we must flash back to that time where they learnt about it in a class like because we need to know that they were taught how to kill a zombie and then we're going to show them doing what they were taught as they're taught it like, you know what I mean? That kind of typical... Yeah. Let's flash back to a thing that they're being taught and then show them using it. Like a Nola Holmes. I was just going to say that, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, for, it's not very clear to me, at least, how long... How old they are. How how yeah. long they've been in that community, if they've been there their whole lives. If they have been there their whole lives, or at least since the, since the thing started, it's not very clear how long they've been being taught these things because you'd think I, they I would think... have been taught them for a while and yet they seem to be completely incompetent with dealing with anything. Like, I know they're supposed to be children or young adults or whatever, but, like, they come across a zombie, the first zombie they come across, they completely fail to kill, mm. to, like, to deal with it. Yeah, the I second zombie they come across, they completely fail to deal with it. And then it's like yeah. every single zombie... I mean, it, are we, what are we doing about spoilers here? I mean, it's the first episode it happened in, so it's not really a... Yeah. I, Am I allowed to say anything? Go for it. Go for it. The fact that Hope has accidentally killed more humans than intentionally killed zombies is just ridiculous to me. <laughs> um, no, she's one and one. Is she? She's not killed a zombie yet. Yeah, she did. She killed the one. Um, she like kicked the one down the. I think it was implied they died. She like kicked the one down the. In the swimming pool or whatever it was supposed to be. Yeah. Did she not kill it? No, I think it was just. No, it's still alive, wasn't it? Wasn't it just like she just. No, no, he just fell into the swimming pool, didn't it? Because it was still it was trying to it was trying to grab her. And yeah, then yeah, no, you're right. No, you're right. Did the yeah? Well, did the crushing it with the yeah? The crushing it with the volleyball didn't work either. No, it didn't work. Yeah. and then yeah, also this right. whole. I mean, you mentioned the hornet's nest thing, which was cool and all, but it just feels like they're kind of flexing a budget and they're having these set pieces just yeah, for the sake yeah. of having set pieces. Like this whole tire thing with the fire and all the zombies and the the buses and the scrapped cars and. You know, like that whole thing, it just seemed completely 
ridiculous. And the and how they got there, you know, the main character is supposed to be going on this quest to find her father, and you know, it's not, you know, it's not been very made very subtle that she's changed her opinion on her stance on the world within a whole ten minutes, and mm-hmm. then she's decided to leave the community where she spent her whole life to go find him. But then, I mean, you know, it. <laughs> The justifications that I mentioned before are just not very clear. Motivations and character developments aren't very um, well well developed, because you know there's this moment in in the second episode where they're talking about they should go round this big fiery inferno which is attracting loads of zombies, or they should go through it and uh, then decide within ten seconds they're gonna go through it, and but also. It just seems like the main character is insistent on going there just so he can see it and so they can show off this massive set piece. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, you know, it didn't seem like a realistic or justified decision. And it just feels like the script writing and the acting and stuff is just not... I don't know, it's just very disappointing, very underwhelming. Hopefully it gets better, but... Yes, and we will be keeping up with the podcast, uh, the episodes... Um with both of us and I think we will do a little special looking at the end of series one when it does come out when it finishes we'll do a retrospective of the series um, but until then um, I don't think we're particularly hyped about the first two episodes of the, uh, the series so are you ready for talk about St. Maud because it certainly is going to be a tough one to talk about yeah I'm ready kind of <laughs> yeah it's going to be, uh, be I need some Rocky style training montage of, of me um, reading Mark Kermode's <laughs> Uh, reviews to get prepared for how the fuck I analyse St. Maud. I've tried to avoid I've actually don't think I've read any critics reviews or watched anything about it. I've just yeah, the only like... thing I've done is I've seen the average rating on Letterboxd. Uh yeah I've done that. So I need to check this right now. Let me just check this right now. So I imagine the Google reviews are really shit. Let's see this. There's only been one audience review, so I can't There was judge. there was one girl in my screening who said uh, the minute the film finished and because for some reason, I don't know why they're doing it, but at the moment, whenever a film finishes in Odeon, they just turn the volume down on the credits, like, instantly. That's why like, like, the credits start, and then they just turn the volume down. And so, the fir- immediately after the final frame, the credits come up, the first thing I hear is this girl in front of me say, Critics film. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got ninety five percent of critics on Rotten Tomatoes and sixty five percent of audience, and um, yeah, so that will that will come apparent in our review. But to give a little backstory on what Saint Maud is, Saint Maud is, as I previously mentioned, the directorial debut of Rose Glass. It's obviously always good to see more women directing. Obviously, the big one in recent years has been Greta Gerwig, but oh, and, and the more were. Uh, female directors the better it's obviously been a male dominant industry for a long time um but it's the director debut of rose glass and it's a psychological thriller horror about um a some an extremely religious woman um dealing with um her relationship with god and the um often uh sadistical um whims of of god um and, and a kind of constant battle for the viewer between um, distinguishing her mental health and the actions of a uh, existential being, um, an extremely hard film to sum up, I guess. And it, it kind of, on a more um, basic level, on a less thematic level, it's about um, a, a carer uh, called um, Maud slash Katie um, who uh, looks after a dying 
old um, lesbian woman who uh, has made her career uh, as a dancer, and she, she's kind of got some sort of terminal disease. And, and a series of, of events unfollow, and I really am going to struggle to review this one prior to the spoiler section, so I think the spoiler ball might come down very quickly, um, because it's only it's extremely short film. I didn't realise before I came to it, it's 84 minutes long. I was going to say, yeah. That's very short, and it is an indie film, but despite the um, the, the kind of traction it, it uh, you know, the... the, the interest it, it managed to uh, to rile up in, in the especially in the UK I imagine it was probably a lot bigger in England than it was in America um, well I think I forgot that it was picked up by A24 for distribution oh yes of course it was yes. so that's probably ha- half the reason in itself why it got a lot of interest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well it was a it's a film for production isn't it so it's not ridiculously yeah, yeah. indie or anything but um, yes so hmm uh, do you want to start or should I uh, you can start if you want. Okay, so my thoughts on Saint Maud. Well, Saint Maud is certainly not what I expected. Um, I, to give some backstory, I messaged one of my friends. I said, "Do you want to come watch a horror film? It's New World." And they're like, "Yeah, it's fine." I'd like, you know, like 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 a bit of horror. Went down, and um, much like we said earlier, uh, I think they're expecting uh, Paranormal Activity Five. I think they're expecting. Um, jump scares and mm-hmm. ghosts and all that and i kind of was to a degree i was expecting it to be terrifying um it was not traditionally scary you know i would never jumped but i winced uh, I it jumped. was creepy uh, huh i jumped really oh uh, yeah you are a uh a, a, a I'm coward a, 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 yeah um uh but it was not traditionally scary it wasn't um it was no like woman in black jump scary um but it was a very creepy film uh and i think that uh, as i said earlier it was certainly one that was uh arguably cerebral it made you question the nature of the events uh much you know not uh too too uh, far from something like uh like recently we've been talking about Kaufman films or such you know like it's got those kind of deeper level of meaning on top of a more basic story it obviously does not go to the same extent that something like um like in i'm thinking of anything or uh Cindy in new york or something but it, it's obviously uh a, a little bit one that's maybe a bit more uh thinky and um I just want to straight up say it before I forget to say it. I think uh, Morfid Clark, who played Maud, um, unless there's I'm forgetting someone, is seems like the person that should win Best Actress. Uh, honestly, I think I'll be. I don't know if there's anyone else better that uh, in a leading female role um, that I've seen in a film that came out this year. Unless something big comes out between now and Oscar season, you know, I really strongly think that that was probably one of the most uh, impressive performances we've seen from a. Um, an up and comer uh, in recent years, uh, in a, in a, especially in a, in a British one. Um, obviously, not particularly. I wouldn't say up and comer. That that would be harsh because you know I, I have seen her before. But someone that's particularly not um, super well known. Uh, I, I I don't know if you'd agree with. Do, do you agree with that? I think it's genuinely I, best actress material. I saw a bunch of people on Letterboxd say that she was incredible. And I saw a bunch of people say that she was very flat, and I did not agree with the people, the latter. I don't know I how thought, anyone could she... watch that film and think that the performance was flat or the... uninteresting. 
that film would have been awful. I think that film would have really struggled if it didn't have someone that could really, really capture the full range of emotions that was constantly soaring through the mind of someone who was so damaged. Um, you know, she goes through... Uh, religious thoughts as a way of escapism from her traumatic past and I think that's conveyed so well and there are so many moments in the film where her personality switches um, you know on a, on a knife point and um, it's conveyed so uh, eloquently I think they're you know again not going spoilery yet but there's a scene in um, Maud or, or Katie's apartment with uh, when she's she's meeting one of her friends, one of her friends comes around, uh, and I think um, she, without saying a word, um, she manages to dominate the scene uh, in a way that you know I think a lot of the most paid actresses in the world would would struggle to do or, or actors. Um, I, I think um, again, it's just really hard to to work my way around the the spoilers. Uh, you know, I'm gonna keep saying that until I, I do the spoiler review. Yeah, but. Um, I think you know a lot of the um, a lot of it was. I think I think essentially it, it captured the mood of of what it tried to do every time. There were scenes um, that were particularly cringeworthy. There were scenes that were particularly awkward. There were scenes that were particularly painful. That I thought um, you know the the key part of the 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 the, the director's vision was to uh, make the the viewer truly empathise with the actions and. Um, it completely met that goal, uh, and in in all ways, I thought the uh, the music and setting of tension with with sound effects, uh, you know, a teapot manages to you know absolutely shit the life out of you. Um, I thought that was excellent. I thought the cinematography was crisp. I thought it looked really really good, especially as outdoor scenes walking through the streets. I thought it looked uh, looked very 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 good, and I think uh, maybe one of the bigger issues with the film that I, I assume you're going to get with um, indie productions is that towards the end of the film. Uh, it relies on VFX for quite a few scenes that were very much lacking, in my opinion. I think that was maybe what... what um, I... You I know disagree, actually. Yeah. I thought the ending was, was very strong. Um, and I, I am going to pass it to JL. I've said a whole lot of nothing, really, but I'm going to pass it to JL so you can, you can do it and you can also issue the spoiler wall so I can talk more clearly about the events of the film. But overall, you know, it was just uh, for, for anyone that, that doesn't want to hear spoilers because I would very strongly recommend you go watch it and make your own mind up about the events that, that occur. I think, um, yeah, it, it was uh, an excellent um, showing of, I guess, also the power of symbolism, the power of religion as well. I think uh, a lot of religious types may want to avoid the film um, because I think uh, it, it almost, uh, as a... As an atheist, as an as an, as, as, as a, well, I guess the, I disagree with the team that turn atheist because you know how can you be truly sure? But someone that doesn't believe in a deity, I think, it almost highlights a lot of the points that justify my disliking of religion through the events that un- occur through her love of religion or or, or passion of religion, um, and um, I think that uh, yeah, it's, uh, my 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 very much Christian dad would not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, I'll give my thoughts. Um... I would actually disagree with you on the VFX front. Um, I won't say, obviously, about the nature of the VFX, but I think the VFX... I know what you mean by quality, but I think not maybe not intentional in terms of, you know, if they had more budget, they probably would have gone for stronger VFX. But I think it works in its favour almost, given the what the VFX were used for. I think mm-hmm. it actually added a kind of... Um, 
ambiguity almost to to the VFX and their nature. But yeah, I, I mean, we'll come to spoilers uh, in a second, but just generally, spoiler-free, just my actual thoughts. I think, as you've mentioned, performance-wise, um, an absolutely incredible performance from, is it Morfid Clark? Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe so. I haven't actually seen her in anything before, I don't think. Uh, I know your favourite film is Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, um, which apparently she's in, according to Letterboxd. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't seen any films of her in. But I think um, for a directorial debut for an indie film, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a, I think, I think a solid film overall. I don't know. We'll come to review, like ratings later. I think there was a few things which I, I wasn't as keen on, and I think the runtime actually worked against it. Um, I think it would have been. I think yeah, it would have been I nicer for it to be I longer. Agree, I think. Yeah, I do agree. Because obviously, as you mentioned, the premise of the film is is this nurse who um, goes to care for someone with a chronic disease, chronic illness, and it, it, that that kind of segment of the film felt very rushed. And I mean, maybe that was the point of it, given what happens. And um, well, I mean, it's kind of spoils again, but um, given what happens with the film, I think maybe. Maybe it, maybe in kind of retrospect thinking about it now, it might actually have made more sense for it to be rushed. But I think we didn't spend enough time with um with Maud caring for uh, Amanda, and um I think maybe that was where the film was weakest for me in that uh, certain actions, certain responses to other actions didn't feel uh in a, not obviously not to the same extent as The Walking Dead will be on, but I think certain actions and uh, things weren't necessarily justified and or at least didn't have seem to have any clear motivation but i think overall it was for someone as i said who isn't traditionally um as uh hasn't necessarily seen as, as many horror films i think it was a really solid film and really interesting tr- intriguing premise uh comparing it i mean it's kind of hard because i've come off the back of watching films like um the lighthouse and uh, and the witch which were for me stronger films, um, but I think this was definitely uh, a really solid film, and I also think it it was something I didn't necessarily pick up on while watching it, even though I probably should have done. Is the fact that this is predominantly a female cast with a female director? Um, yes, that's true. Actually, yes, which very true. I hadn't even thought about until I saw someone mention it. Mm-hmm. Was I think that was really good because it it, it never felt like this film was pushing. Um, that fact it never felt like the female characters were just female because they wanted to have female characters it, it kind of felt natural and it kind of felt I, as i mentioned when i was watching it i never even thought about that and i and um until someone mentioned it on i think it was a letterbox review or something or maybe on twitter but um yeah it was yeah just just great to see obviously as we mentioned with the films in the past like the shining and stuff a bit um with older horror films female characters tend to be uh, just written very poorly, or a human scream. <laughs> yeah, just written very poorly, or um, in there just to be uh, like a damsel in distress, or just to mm. be scared. And um, this felt like a very, very uh, modern, very, very um, Do you sort want of to, uh... just a very like yeah, just it just felt like the female characters, as I said before, didn't feel like they were. 
in there just just for the sake of it. And uh, yeah, it just was a very it was, a, it was a solid film overall. I think I'm not sure what your rating is going to be in the end, but uh, we'll move into spoiler territory. Yeah, I was going to say, issue the big spoiler. And, boom. Yeah. Spoiler. JL, when you're when you're editing this, boom, you can see that as a big loud noise. <laughs> spoiler wall. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the spoiler section of the podcast. Um, and I would recommend if anyone is hasn't seen the film and has the opportunity to, i.e., they live somewhere that isn't got seen world, um, like as well as narrating or such, I would recommend strongly. Um, watching the film before listening to this uh, because it really is worth I'd say it was worth paying that 15 quid that I would have paid if it, uh, if it came out a day later but um, yes I, I would just like to say that I uh, talk about the actual individual actions in the film the VFX I was talking about was obviously the wings um, the yeah so I, I think the um, the actions uh, in which he takes becoming uh, more stronger and stronger um, I don't know if you agree, and it's the second time I've mentioned the film uh, today, but we gave very strong American Psycho vibes. Would you agree? You know, that constant battle between is this real, is this not? It's um, At the beginning of the film, I think it's strongly... For, for me, even though there's no VFX and nothing is too over the top, i.e. burning your hand on purpose and, and kneeling on popcorn and such, that felt like... And the noises she was making, the almost sexual noises in response to, to God. That mm-hmm. I, at that point of the film, I thought that she was enchanted and she was a, a vessel of the devil or God, or she was, you know, I, I felt like that was real. That's, that's something else there as well, because obviously in horror films, we've kind of come to expect, and this is the case with The Witch, for example, where we have witchcraft and devilry and, you know, the, the evil is is the devil or the evil is the witches or the evil is the satanic cult and in this yeah. film it was like the evil was god almost like it and it was really yeah. really in, like interesting and intriguing concept something that i've not really seen before um and i think yeah, it very actually, much appeals as you to, mentioned yeah though it's kind of that uh almost though the kind of that type of Christianity where I remember, you know, through in the medieval times, the people used to flog their backs on purpose because they'd sinned and such. Mm-hmm. Now it shows up very much like, you know, pain is, you know, almost like repaying God or whatever. But I was going to say, you know, the, the point I was making was that when she did the very be- the believable things that any human could do that was believing in God, i.e. hurt their hand on purpose or, you know, the, the fear that, you know, that's nearly on popcorn or those almost sexual noises she felt were talking to God those felt like it was god and there was this kind of kind of uh strange kind of opposite to, like anti-correlation where the more supernatural things felt the more you realize that she's just insane and it's like at the end things that seem like she flies she floats mm-hmm. like that is something that is very much you know supernatural uh, the the work of uh of a, a deity but obviously she's on her own so it's just a, an apparition it seems and and she but like things like that the the having wings the putting pins in her feet to as like a being told by god using it through a picture of jesus christ that the more extreme things as as you realize more and more that she is just insane mm-hmm. um when when um 
the character Amanda kind of turns into this like demon and starts screaming at her and she stabs her to death, you realise that she all she did, did was say that, that God wasn't real and she just stabbed her because of that. Yeah. Um, but and this is super spoilery. Uh, I think the the ending that the her that was, um, yeah, that lighting was itself the, on fire. Yeah, that and, was one of the strongest ending frames. Yes, yeah, so much that I so. think I've ever seen. Yes, yeah, definitely. She thinks she's surrounded on this beach by all these people. She's covered herself in in petrol. She lights herself on fire. She sees herself with these, these angel wings, and everybody is like praying to her, like appreciating the Lord. When in reality, everyone is standing around in shock as a, a corpse is burning in front of them. And that mm-hmm. like last second of, of fire is like you see that kind of melting corpse, and it almost justifies the lack of belief throughout the film the viewers had in God. You know, throughout the film, you realise that she's just insane, and it's justified. And the last second of the film completely enhances the first eighty-three minutes. Um, yeah, as you can say, one of the most strongest final frames, and um, just such a wow moment. I was sit there, I was like. <gasps> Because, like, oh, my God. And then my yeah. mate turned around to me and said, that was one of the worst films I've ever seen. So, <laughs> you know, take it or leave it. That was one of the moments I jumped at. I jumped at the devil thing and I jumped at that. And um, also, though, I didn't really clock, like, I didn't really clock it until, I don't know, a solid, like, 20, 30 minutes into the film. I was like, I'm so used to American, American-centric or whatever films. Obviously, I knew it wasn't American, but, like, I just didn't really think about that, like, because it's set in um, set in Scarborough, and yeah. I just never like clocked really like properly, and obviously because I think part of that was down to the fact that they passed the Coney Island um, like arcade, yeah, and like that for me just it must have that just must have some they show it they show it like twice or three times in the film like her walking past that arcade and it seems so out of place like i think it's even though you know it's so familiar at the same time yeah i think it's just such a juxtaposition to the like religious like she wears a bed sheet and calls herself and thinks herself almost saint like like mm-hmm. that comparatively to like this ultra capitalistic um like thing full of like annoying kids and bubble but gum. also yeah that fact but also the fact that it's Coney Island, but it's in like the yeah. northeast of England, like yeah. I don't know, it just seems so. It's just like oddness. It's just the thing. The thing I think I liked a lot about this film was, you know, we've we've, we've kind of had films like this recently. Um, we've talked about the Lighthouse and Midsummer and um, High Life and a bunch of films which have. Bo deeper... would not like this. He's and dumb. mother. Yeah. Bo's IQ is far too low to enjoy Saint Mother. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, is it like there's just a, some kind of really weird, ethereal, strange quality to this film, where it's kind of like it's almost you're not supposed to. You just kind of you're supposed to kind of accept what's going on. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. a horror film, and there's strange goings on anyway, but. It just seemed ultra strange, ultra surreal, and even though not, even as you said, as you said, only a very few surreal things happen in the film, um, and you're supposed to obviously like question the 
you know, the validity and whether the whether these events are actually real or imaginary or kind of, you know, some godlike influence or just the mental collapse of, of a young woman, but it just felt so sur- like ultra, ultra surreal in mm-hmm. a way that horror films generally I don't know. A lot of films have a surrealness to them, but not I felt like this was very unique. I don't know if you'd agree, but it, it felt very it felt like a very unique horror film. Yeah, it didn't yeah, feel it, like I wouldn't. I almost would say psychological thriller would be a term to sum it up better than horror. I think um, the way that it's built, you know, it. I, I think, as I said, it, it felt, and I'm going to use the comparison again. It felt more like American Psycho than it did like um, Paranormal Activity. You know what I mean? I think you know that yeah. that psychological thriller. You know, sums it up with it's this damaged, damaged girl. Obviously, she killed her. She killed a uh, her, her patient. That that's the thing that went wrong. Like, is that sure? That is. I was right in that. Yeah, she kills her patient. I think it's supposed to be um, like. I, it's I supposed to be when, unclear. I I, I, thought, I think that's supposed to be the accepted thing, but yeah. I don't know. Like because obviously there's that moment in in there when she sleeps with that guy and then she like imagines that she kills him and then yes. it cuts back to that moment. So I think it's supposed to be heavily implied and almost kind of 100% confirmed, but also at the same time, yeah, the fact that he doesn't dwell on it, he doesn't yes. dwell on that moment as a kind of, he doesn't keep going back to that moment. Like, because I opened on that moment and I completely didn't have no idea what was going on. And I also had no, it, that moment felt so strange and almost unconnected to the rest of the film that by the time of the end of the film, when it well not the end, but at the moment when it flashed back to that moment, I'd almost forgotten that it happened. Yeah. Um. I don't know. If, even though it was an eighty-four minute film, the fact that the opening scene, I kind of and it wasn't necessarily I'd forgotten about it because it was a bad scene. Or yeah. So it, unmemorable. It just felt, and I kind of liked it because it wasn't like, um, you know, a lot of horror films that, or film, like whatever you want to call it, horror or psychological thriller or whatever, um, a lot of film, you know, many other directors I feel would have lingered on that moment and kept cutting back to it mm-hmm. and referencing it and showing mm-hmm. it. And I think it was, as I said, it was kind of almost intentionally kept secret or intentionally... Uh, unclear as to what exactly had happened. Even characters don't confirm what happened. They just talk yeah, about the yeah. moment. So the yeah, and I just want to ask you. Um, there's a, a number of uncomfortable moments throughout the film. Uh, yeah, is there any? Mo- is the, what moments did you enjoy watching the least? And not in like a, it was bad, like in a kind of you know what what was made you feel the most. <laughs> horrible awkward or or painful well, obviously, obviously i watched swallow as well recently which mm-hmm. was a similar had very uncomfortable moments of eating sharp objects and so on mm-hmm. um i i don't know where i'm i'm as a i don't know i just seem kind of to be insensitive to stuff like that it doesn't seem to bother me too much but i i kind of ex it's almost like I know that it's supposed to be uncomfortable, so I almost feel uncomfortable, even though I don't feel uncomfortable. If that makes yeah. any sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I know what the director's trying to do, so I kind of embrace it. So you it didn't and feel like accept it. I mean, I did. Like what the the moment when she's walking on nails was just like 
it didn't mm. feel uncomfortable. It just felt like, why and how on earth would you do that? That that for me, like when so that, it was just oh, was it was say, painful to watch the perform. I think the performance sold me on that moment. I think if it any not well not any other actor, but I think a lot of actors would have overdone it or underdone it. And I think she got the perfect balance of conveying a suppression of pain in a way where. But she was also feeling feeling pleasure at the same time, which was exactly yeah. Yeah, I think just from a completely, I think anyone could have done that. I think if fucking the robot from Rookie Four put on those shoes, I think I'd have felt the same way. It was that the I felt nothing but like the agony in my body when that when she puts on the the like nicer Converse placement for for any fellow Converse fans in the chat. Wait, do you um, think no? She didn't actually do that. What? We'll put the nails on. No, no, no. What, in real life? Yeah. No, no, she doesn't. I'm no, saying... So, no, so when you said the robot could have done that, what do you mean? I'm saying it does. I don't think the performance of the actress and afterwards was what sold it to me. Just the concept of seeing a foot go into the, into that pair of shoes made my entire body oh, feel agony. The concept see, I... of... I was just like, oh, my whole body was, oh. I was like, I don't know. completely I couldn't feel my bollocks for a good 10 minutes after that. It was only because that's today. I didn't feel tiny. like, I don't know. And the I other moment. I'm so insensitive to stuff like that, but. The other moment that she made me feel so much cringe ugh, was when she's sitting at the table when she's trying to be normal. She's calling herself Katie again. And she laughs at a joke on the table next to her. Oh, I everyone cringed. looks at her. I was like, "Oh, that's horrible!" Imagine they, that person. It was so bad. I couldn't look at the screen. Yeah, when she when she was laughing at that thing though, and then they looked over. Also, I feel like that there's two like sex scenes in it. Yeah. Oh no, there's more than two sex scenes. Uh, two inverted commas sex scenes, but the she two ones involving off. Maud. Yeah, she wanks someone off and then she shags someone. Yeah, yeah, they were just so uncomfortable. Yeah, to, they, they, especially they, the, this, maybe this, they were the most uncomfortable to watch for me. <laughs> no, I felt like, and not even just in like, uh, oh, it's sex and I'm in a cinema. It was like just the nature of them and the way that the they they were like acted and performed. Yeah, especially like the the like ra- like rape scene. Yeah, like, that was just that was uh, that was the most uncomfortable for me actually. I was watching that and I was like, this is yeah that no that uh, that is without a doubt that was the most uncomfortable scene for me. Yeah, that's actually. pretty bad as well. Yeah, even if she was on top, it was just like the lighting in the room just felt so uncomfortable and so horrible. And, ugh. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I, I, with the with the less time thing, with the eighty-four minutes thing, I, I just want to quickly double down on on your point and say I agree that I think it would have been a stronger film if she spent more time in the scenes with Amanda. She spent more time uh, doing the the the, the kind of God felt actions. I think she would have been more enjoyable. She spent more time as as kind of back as normal Katie. She also, spent more time as as her full mauled version at the end. I think any one of those, or if all of those were expanded by an extra twenty minutes, it would have been a better film. Also, how did she? F- I, I might have completely missed this, and it might have been very well explained. But how did she find the new carer? Uh, yeah. So when she's um, well, like, how does she know who she is? How does she like know where she's gonna be, and how does she find her and know who it is? Like. Well, I imagine so. She obviously sees her with Amanda. Yeah, do you remember that? Uh, when she's at, like the pier on the beach. Yeah, she sees her. Yeah, and then she probably has just noticed that she sits there. Right. Okay. 
I don't think it's like anything too deep. I thought it, sure it, he just yeah, sees okay. them and walks over to him. I thought, I yes, it's... actually, a moment to, to go back to my point on cinematography. Actually, the cinematography was really, really strong. There's a lot of static camera angles where the the, the cast um, yeah. affects the scene rather than the camera, the scene, the, the camera following the cast. And you know, when mm-hmm. she walks, you know, Maud walks in and out of that shot with with the with her fellow uh, with her colleague. I thought it was really, really uh, oh, well also... done. I want to get your quick thoughts. I completely forgot about this was in the film, and I mentioned cinematography. I need to mention it. What did you think of the upside down slash rotating cameras? I I thought that was really good. I thought it looked really well. I thought it done really well. I thought that was a good chance that could have looked too gimmicky, but I thought it was done in a way that really summed up uh, the way that you know just drunkenness and such. I wanted more of it though. I yeah, thought cinematography was great. Like when she was drunk, that cinematography was really good. Mm-hmm. I also like the upside down stuff when she was was she on the beach at that point. I can't remember. There was like a moment where the camera was actually upside down, and she was, and it was like, I can't remember what the moment was now, but there was a, there was a moment when it was upside down. And it kept flashing between. I think it was like a flashback maybe, but it was upside down the camera anyway. Um, she was like walking somewhere. I can't remember what she was doing. Um. And also, yeah. did, you, did you notice Little Women? Little Women? On the bookshelf that zoomed in. Oh, I did, I did notice, yes. Yeah. Okay, oh, we are an hour oh, and 40 minutes in, so we need well, to... Well, yeah, get... we've got to cut a bit out, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did have to cut a bit out. That's some audio problems. <laughs> that rotating camera as well, that was a really nice scene. Mm, I really that. was that. very good. So I think overall, very impressed by the picture. And um, hello to our spoiler people that skipped through the spoiler bit. Uh, and I am going to give the film an 8 out of 10. Okay, I've got it as a seven or seven and a half on Letterboxd. I think I've actually taught myself throughout the, throughout the time we've talked about it uh, on the podcast. I think I've actually taught myself into giving it, maybe moving it up to a four out of, uh, out of five, so maybe a seven and a half or an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I might actually rewatch it, you know. It's only 84 minutes and it's definitely a film. Did you say you've rewatched it or did I completely miss how you say that? Yeah, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think I, I would be tempted to rewatch it if I didn't have to pay fifteen quid. Um, so. Yeah, that's the thing with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So moving on. Um, you know what? Let's still do the let's do the quiz anyway. Let's just make it a really long podcast. Anyone that doesn't particularly <laughs> care for the last quiz bit, you can you can leave now. We don't care. We don't get to make any money off this. So um, insert the outro yeah. music right now, and then just doom 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 doom. Um, okay, so yeah, fuck it. Let's just do this. Let's do the quiz anyway. Let's make okay. this like a fucking XL long podcast, dude. I mean, to be fair, we've got like I don't know how long to cut out, but we've got a bit of time to cut out. Yeah, it's like five minutes though. It's not like ten minutes. Okay. Oh well. Okay, so what's the quiz? Um, okay, so you don't know the quiz as usual. Uh, it's got a five minute time limit. I know that. But it's kind of it, it, yeah. I kind of I kind of shoehorned in a relationship to the films I've watched this past couple of weeks. So obviously Emma, a traditional Jane Austen story. Um, Zhang Xia, a traditional Chinese story. Jurassic Park, a classic uh, in the cinematic realm. So uh, your quiz this week is on cinema classics. And you've got five minutes. Uh, I'll start the timer in a second. You have five minutes to name as many of the IMDb top 50 rated films of all time. Uh, it's actually fifty three because uh, that's the the films at the bottom end are tied um, for the rating, so I've just extended it down to fifty three. So you've got five minutes, uh, and I'll say when 
to name as many of the IMDb top 53 rated films of all time. And your five minutes starts now. Uh, the Godfather. Yep. The Godfather Part 2. Yep. Uh, Seven Samurai. Yep. Uh, Taxi Driver. Uh, keep going, I'll tell you if you're right. I need to double check that one. Um, That's not on there, no. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Uh, Parasite. Yep. Um, Citizen Kane. Uh, I don't think so, no. Really? Citizen Kane? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what's considered super good. Um, I'm, I'm already blanking. I'm just trying to think of how highly ranked things are. Uh, I'll give you a clue. I think there's two or three animated films in here as well. Okay. Spirit Away? Yep. Uh, come and see... Uh, what was it called? Oh, uh, come and See Me? No, that's not. Come and see. It's not on there. Come and see. Oh, that's it. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of what's considered really good. Ooh. I think you're on mm. five right now, aren't you? Yeah. Um, Shawshank. Yep. Um, let's go for ones I've done on the podcast. Um, Psycho. Yep. Twelve Angry Men. Yep. Uh, Blade Runner. No. Nope. No, of course not. Blade Runner. I'm not on that. Goodfellas. Yep. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schindler's List. Yep. Um. What about newer films? Anything new being good? Um. Uh. uh um. Casablanca. Yep. Um, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Whiplash. Yep. Really, I was. I was just mm-hmm. thinking that once we done the podcast. Um, oh. Um, uh, what else have we done? The Shining. Uh, let me double check. But keep going. Um, I've never seen. What else have we done? That's not seen. on there now. The really, the Shining's on there. Uh. Gone with the Wind? Nope. Thank God. Um, <laughs> ben Hur? Uh, no. 2001 A Space Odyssey? Nope. Reservoir Dogs? No. It was no. Uh, Apocalypse Now? No. Uh, Spider-Verse? No. You've got uh, two minutes left. Hmm. Mm. I feel like I should have got way more. Science of the Lambs? Yep. Forrest Gump? Yep. Seven? No. Yep. For, uh, seven is? Mm-hmm. Oh, justified. Baby teeth? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, Lord of the Rings? Which one? Uh, Fair Ship. Yep. Uh, either of the other Lord of the Rings? Yeah, both on that. All, all three? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one Flavor Cookie's Nest? Yep. Um, I don't think anything else to check next, it's funny. Um, more about the... I've got both Kubrick ones. Um, 
Scorsese, The Departed. Yep. Uh, Gangs of New York. Uh, I don't think that's on there now. Oh, um, what's that one? Uh, Gangster one, Scarface. Um, let me check. No. Lawrence for Arabia. No. Wow. Um. It's tough, it's tough. There's a lot of ones you're going to kick yourself on, though. There's got to be loads. They've got better loads than really old films I just would know nothing about. There's a lot of recent ones, though, as well. Really? Uh, Dark Knight? Yep. Uh, recent films, I think. Inception? Yep. Um, oh, what's the other one? This is the Christopher Nolan film. The other Christopher Nolan film. Uh, Interstellar? Yep. Um... Memento. I don't think that's on there now. I would be surprised. I'm just trying to think of Nolan things. Nineteen uh, Seventeen. Nope. Recent films. And you're out of time. Really? How did I get? I think, if I'm correct, I'm going to run through the ones you didn't get. And if you got any of the ones I said you haven't got, then correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, I think you got 25 out of 50. 53. So, pretty much 50%. Mm, okay. Uh, so, the ones you didn't get are... Uh, I believe you didn't get um, Fight Club. Oh, yeah, shit. Sure. Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm. Hamilton, somehow, is in there. Fuck's sake. Uh, the Matrix. Mm. City of God. The Green Mile. Oh, Life. I should have got that. Life is Beautiful. Oh, you did get Silence of the Lambs, so that's 26. Um, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Oh really? Yeah, I should have gone. I should have gone for Star Wars. Uh, Harakiri. It's a Wonderful Life. That's Joker. the one I was thinking of when I said um, when I said uh, Gone with the Wind, and then I remember what I, remember, I was thinking. It's a Wonderful Life. Ah, I see. Uh, Joker. Uh, the Untouchables. The Prestige. The Pianist. Gladiator. American oh, history. American history X. I should have got yeah. that, man. Uh, the Usual Suspects. The Lion King was one of the animated ones. Was Clockwork Orange on there? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, Leon the Professional. Terminator 2. Cinema Paradiso. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Back to the Future. Anand, if that's how you say it. I've never heard of it before, but that's one of them. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Modern Times and City Lights. City Lights is the boxing one, isn't it? I don't know. It's got a boxing. It's got a boxing picture. One. But yeah, you got twenty six then out of fifty three. That's a respectable, just under fifty percent. Very respectable for the classics. Yeah, okay. I'm not too. I'm not too happy. There's a. I'm not too sad. About There's a couple ones that I really should have got. I've like Fight Club. Fight Club and maybe a new Star Hope, Wars. But I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. But no, okay. that's pretty good. I'm happy with that. Makes your best performance on one of my quizzes yet, so. That's <laughs> <laughs> not hard. Your best, your best performance of the quiz was the Who Would You Rather Shag one. That wasn't even a quiz, that was just a BuzzFeed it's a quiz performance, yeah. Okay, so, if you enjoyed listening to that, then you are <laughs> absolutely insane. The, um, <laughs> You're ins- you to- as insane as Maud, yeah. 
Yeah. If you want to contact me or the podcast, do so through Gmail. Or do it through our email address at nowshamepod at gmail.com. Uh, please contact us as sponsors. Um, if you want to contact, uh, if you want to find us on Letterboxd, uh, I am uh, at Sam Houston and Jordan is uh, JL McDonald. Uh, Letterboxd, yeah. JL McDonald. If you want to get to, uh, Jordan Luke on Twitter, it is at by Jordan Luke. And um, I think that's all. And before we leave, actually, I want to mention that we have a, <laughs> a fan, don't we? Oh, um, we do. I forgot to mention this. Yes. So Sean Connor, who I labelled as the standout performer of the film Schemers, uh, did reply to our podcast. Uh, did yeah. reply to uh, JL on Twitter and um, and said that you know like you know we weren't particularly super positive. Um, we said things we didn't like and we gave it like a six out of ten. But we said the things we did like and we we admired it what it tried. And obviously, I'm a bit more musical than. Than JL, so I applauded a lot of the uh, the references to the indie bands and and some of the rock bands as well mm-hmm. mentioned there, and uh, and he yeah he mentioned he said he so he obviously did listen to the review because he talked about um, a few points he made like the my point he yeah. agreed on our well my yeah point he, that, uh, he said he, he says he's uh, happy for us to read out some of his comments uh, I'll oh, really? really quickly read through some of them yeah um, he said thanks for the he says it's a great review so that's thank you for that uh, he said. Uh, that the film was made with a very low budget, but it's one that they're all very proud of. Um, so they really appreciate anyone taking time to talk about it, whether it's good or bad thoughts. But obviously, ours were generally positive. Um, he said uh, he's he's glad that we enjoyed it, and he uh, really appreciates the fact that we called out. Well, you called out the uh, inaccuracy of the train spotting comparisons. He says uh, he feels the comparisons are quite lazy, as the films aren't similar. Um, but he says he supposes any film made in Scotland is automatically going to be compared to that given how mm-hmm. big it was. Uh, yeah. And you exposed yourself as a charlatan by admitting to a Scottish person that you'd never seen. It's <laughs> fine. I mean, yeah, I had to... Uh, I hope you I, did this whole thing, because I did call Scottish people subhuman at the beginning of the podcast, so... <laughs> hopefully hopefully took that as, as you should ingest. I mean, I did start talking about... Um, Shitting in Women's vaginas. genitals and mm-hmm. toilets at one yep. point, which, which didn't uh, sound particularly... <laughs> <laughs> in line with my political or whatever, I don't know, political thing, but mm. in line with my uh, with my stance on on many things. Um, but yeah. well, on that note, uh, thank you listening. F- uh, thank you for listening, Sean, and also thank you for listening to this podcast, uh, everybody else. Uh, and we will be back um, again, probably a little bit later than usual because I am away, so I'm going to have to record next weekend. So I'll be next start of next week. So yeah, yeah. see you around, pals. Thanks for listening. See you going. Thanks. Thanks, guys.